We are Chris and Beth Bruno, and this is the Walking With Podcast. God called you to walk with people. He called us to help you. Join us for a conversation at the intersection of theology, psychology, and ministry. Each week, our goal is to replace a little bit of your overwhelm with more confidence in caring for the people you walk with. Welcome back to the Walking With Podcast. This is Chris and Beth Bruno, and we have been in a series called The Disordered Life. We started off talking about the difference between mood disorders and personality disorders and spent the last couple of weeks talking about personality disorders. Today, we're going to dive into mood disorders by talking about depression. I think it's timely because lately, the the new statistic that has been pushed is that one-third of U.S. adults right now, in light of of COVID here in May of 2020 are experiencing anxiety and or depression. And so let's just start there with our jumping off point um, by talking a little bit about that survey and then we'll dive more deeply into what depression is and what it looks like. Chris, what do you think about that number? Well, I think it's important for us to recognize that yes, indeed, there is an increase in emotional distress. I experience it, you've experienced it, I think many people we've talked to have had that feeling of you know, more anxiety or more depression than before. But when we look at surveys like that, I th- also think it's really important, you know, the statisticians in us, which really don't exist too yeah. much because both one of us, class. one class that we had, but we do need to look at the study. And the study was uh, in only certain areas of the country. And the way that the study was done was that it was a voluntary respondent. And so people that are emailed an online survey who are already feeling those kinds of feelings are more likely to respond to the survey than someone who's not necessarily. So right. it, it's going to skew the results. a total of 40,000 people. So to say that one third of U.S. adults, of all American like adults, it's just yeah. hard to extrapolate, but nonetheless, right. there's an increased reporting of feeling anxious and depressed. Yes. And I think what I'm curious about, and this is again, me not being the, the actual therapist of, <laughs> of the team here, um, I hear phrases like uh, situational depression and clinical depression, and to me, those are the two options. Those are the okay. two categories of depression, mm-hmm. and situational feels maybe somewhat like what we're experiencing now, and a little bit like, you know, this is just, again, what I've come to conclude. If we did a few tweaks, changed our habits, changed the situation, it's a little bit more fixable, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And clinical depression is something that is much harder to fix. Um, maybe sometimes even medication can't help it. Mm-hmm. It's it's more long-term and more serious. And so I know that's so grossly <laughs> like simplified. And let's let's talk about that. Like are those phrases even correct? Yeah. So um I don't think you're that far off. Okay. 
but I feel like it's important for us to recognize that when we're talking about, in your, in your language there, the situational depression, um, I would actually put that more in the category of uh, a season of sadness, right? That there is something that is causing a level of loss, a level of grief, um, some things, all the cancellations with COVID and all that stuff, like we're just sad. And um, the things that we have come to now not have or have expected or disappointment levels are up, like all that kind of stuff, we're just in a season of sadness. So I wouldn't call that depression necessarily, though the survey that we just talked about, their, their language in the survey was emotional distress. And so I put both of those in the same space of emotional distress. I just wouldn't call it situational depression. Um, I would call that more situational sadness. And indeed, when we are sad, what we do to come out of that, and your word earlier just a moment ago was to fix it, right? I don't know that we fix our sadness, but we we kind of emerge out of it into uh, kind of back into the day and back into the light. So the the way that we walk through sadness is through grief, and is through actually lamenting the things that we have lost. And we've talked about that uh, to some degree here on the podcast as well, that, that COVID is actually inviting us into a space of grief. And that's, that's when we're sad. Something has happened, an event or multi, you know, string of events uh, or a season of events has happened that has caused us to be sad. And therefore, in order to emerge out of that, we need to do some of that internal work and processing of what have we lost what are we grateful for? And what are the things that we can still look forward to and hope for in the future? So that's, I think, how we come out of that, that season of sadness, that situational depression that you just you know, talked about. Uh, the, the clinical depression is, uh, is, there's all different types of clinical depression. And so um, I want to unpack a little bit more of what those types might be, but I just want to clarify between sadness and depression, though they might feel similar in the moment and even look similar, they're actually quite different because a depression is not necessarily situationally tied. It's not an event or a season of events that make us depressed. It's more uh, something that is uh, is more longer term. There's a, a longer term loss of hope, a longer term uh, season of de- uh, disappointment. There's a longer term uh, aspects of relational distance or aloneness or feelings of being forgotten or abandoned, all those things that over time kind of erode away the soul's capacity for, for joy. And so as someone who's depressed, in some ways, uh, has had a long season already before they come to the place of being depressed, and then they, then to emerge back out of that is, is not just grieving what happened. It, that is part of it, but it's not the same as coming out of a season of sadness. Mm-hmm. So as we think about various types of clinical depression, um, there's, uh, there, there's a persistent depression, which is a long term. And the way that I like to talk about it and think about it with with people I'm working with is that it is kind of like the low hum in the back of your mind or soul. It is the the slow burn in uh, on the back burner of your of your soul that just is there and you know that it's there and it's not really acute. You can still operate on some level, but there's uh there's a dulling 
it's a it's a kind of a numbing of you you're not as as happy you can't get as happy uh, but you're also not so severely affected by the depression that you're not able to function in the world so many people who actually are depressed are quite functional it's just that they have uh, somewhat it's not a bright sky it's more of a gray sky just generally every day so that's a persistent depression. And then uh, there's also something uh, called episodes of depression. And that's where we get into major depression. And that major depression begins to uh, fully take away that functionality where you can't get out of bed. You can't go to work. You can't have a conversation. You can't even think about things or, or talk with someone else without being so overwhelmed by the depression. You're just, the functionality of life has gone away and those episodes can last for a few days to a couple of months, uh, the more severe they are. So those episodes are, and they call them episodes because they come like a wave that crashes over the person and they can't get out of bed, they can't function, and that lasts for a while and then that wave may go away, but, how, but the overall persistent depression may not go away, okay? It's just they have an acute season, a uh, few days, weeks of uh, real, real deep depression. Mm -hmm. Now, depression falls into the mood disorder category mm -hmm. and we haven't fully unpacked what that term even means. Can you define that a little bit and tell us a little bit why depression is considered a mood disorder? So you talk about um, mood disorders and personality disorders and we were we were discussing how narcissism and borderline are more systemic. And what we mean by that, what I mean by that is that it's not that, you know, for a year or for a few months, I, I had a season of being a narcissist. I had, uh, you know, a year or two or three of, of being borderline, but now I'm, I'm not. It's more systemic. I might have learned how to function better and regulate my emotions and all those kinds of things like we talked about before, but the systemic nature of the personality disorders is different than the seasonal um, more short-term time frames of the mood disorders. So back in 2010, I was depressed, but now I'm not. That is That would be a common kind of thing for people to say, or I'm really not feeling well, I'm depressed these days versus, you know, last year or next year kind of a thing. So mood is, uh, is really how you feel, how your affect is, what is happening with your emotional state. Uh, uh, personality disorder affects how you feel, like we talked about with borderline being, you know, very hypervigilant and all that. But it's not, uh, it's not at the core your uh, your soul state, your emotional state. Okay, so when we talk about mood disorders, it's really important for us to recognize that our mood is always going to swing anyway. And that there's always going to be some spectrum in all of us of depression and anxiety, right? There's going to be some spectrum of joy and delight. Yeah. So our mood is going to be moving back and forth between all those parts of us. But when we get into a mood disorder, it's that we end up camping in one of those places more and we're not able to actually move into those moments of joy or moments of delight or moments, you know, those other things as well. Mm -hmm. Well, can we talk a little bit about anxiety, which is the other major mood disorder? Mm -hmm. And the study is saying that they're connected. 
that many people who experience anxiety will also experience depression. How are those psychologically connected and how do they impact one another? And, and tell us a little bit more about anxiety. Yeah, well, um, the way that I like to think about depression and anxiety is that they're kind of two, uh, two friends on either end of a seesaw. And so when anxiety is up, depression will be down. When depression is up, anxiety will be down. But they're very interconnected in what happens with each one of them because they're actually playing around in the same, in the same space in our souls. Um, so depression is that, uh, like I said, that longer-term feelings of, in my mind, it's actually feelings of anger that I don't know what to do with. And so they, they get turned inwards and push us under the the surface of the water where we just feel like we can't breathe. Okay, anxiety has far more to do with uh, my fear of an unknown future that is uh, may or may not happen. And so I'm anxious about what will or will not be in my future. And that I think in this COVID space really is where we are far more than depression because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. There's anxiety about what our schools are going to happen, what our jobs, our economy, like all that the unknownness of the future actually creates within us an anxiousness that we can't seem to uh, get out of in some ways. And it's, it's almost like there's no relief for it. So um, anxiety has far more to do with uh, the future than depression. The depression uh, also is like, I don't know, it, it has an essence of hopelessness as well. Like, no one will recognize me or see me or uh, come for me or pursue me or whatever. There's, there's those aspects of it. Um, but anxiety is far more about a fear of the future or, or an unknownness about the future. So like you said, so many of us are experiencing a level of both of those. Sure. But especially anxiety. And that's what the study showed. And it showed that a lot more young people are experiencing anxiety, that the overwhelming amount like age bracket is kind of those recent graduates and young adults they just got their degree now they don't have a job they have school debt what does their future hold etc mm -hmm. but how do we understand again I, I can't think of a better word than just situational anxiety versus mm -hmm. an anxiety disorder when does one become the other and why why might that happen for one person and not another. Yeah. So um, the situational anxiety, if we we'll, if we want to use those terms, uh, has far more to do with the the circumstances that currently surround us, right? the The anxiety disorder is that um, something kind of gets locked into a certain a certain part a certain part of the soul where um, I'm constantly afraid. I'm constantly having some level of fear and, and nothing situationally changes. Uh, nothing that situationally changes actually makes me feel better that I'm, you know, I finally got that job, that getting of the job and having anxiety about trying to find a job, getting the job doesn't remove the, the feelings that I have of, well, now I'm going to lose that job or now I'm going to fail at that job. Or now I'm going to uh, have struggles with my coworkers at that job. Like there's always a next in the anxiety disorder space of what I'm going to be worried about. Uh, and it might not, it might be logical. It might not be logical. Um, so just dealing with people this week who were, were struggling with anxiety around 
an, an intruder in their home. And there's never been an intruder. And um, there's, there's parts of, of people that are afraid to get in the car to go drive anywhere because of the statistics around uh, car crashes. And that's feeding that space of anxiety. That would be an anxiety disorder mm -hmm. versus someone who's more situationally anxious is when, when something begins to shift, when the thing actually happens, now the anxiety is lessened. Mm -hmm. So let's bring it to our audience and people who are walking with others. How, how could someone help an individual discern for themselves when it's it's maybe tipping into a disordered space where they would need to really seek help. Yeah, I feel like um, one of the things first, especially for those that are in ministry walking with others that I want to say really before that is we want to be careful not to spiritualize. We want to be careful, you know, the Bible says do not be anxious and, you know, we should be joyful always, right? Rejoice always. So when, when I see people use scripture against these kinds of mood disorders, it actually uh, dishonors the experience of the person who is anxious. And even though the Lord's invitation is for us to rest in him and not be anxious and that he holds our future in his hand, telling someone that and trying to convince them of that is not actually going to be helpful. So I want to be sure that we're not spiritualizing. The, but to get to your question is, uh, how do we help people navigate whether it's an actual disorder or not, is, uh, is to kind of walk with them in such a way that we're recognizing over time how and if things change for them. And when we do invite someone to grieve, are they able to grieve and do things slowly begin to resolve? Or when they're anxious about something, let's be with them, let's support them, let's encourage them, let's bless them. And then watch and see once something, you know, the, the thing that they're anxious about comes to be or doesn't come to be, what happens then? And if things don't change in their anxiety after that thing happens or doesn't happen, that's when we begin to ask the questions like, maybe there's something a little bit more uh, deeper going on here that you should get some, you know, more professional help for. And that's where a counselor is equipped to walk with someone into those places and actually treat depression and anxiety with them and talk therapy. And sometimes also medications can help because the, the body and the soul and the mind are, are, are one system working together. And so if the moods are in that place for a long period of time, it can actually have a biological effect on your body. And that's where medications are can be helpful. And the way that I, especially with depression and anxiety, I think about medications are that um, if someone is feeling for, you know, depressed, for example, and I used the, the analogy just a few minutes ago about being under the surface of the water, if someone is feeling depressed and that they just cannot catch their breath, that medication is, um, is like the life ring that you're throwing out to them, they're in the middle of the pool or the lake, you're throwing the life ring out to them, and the medication is just designed to help them catch their breath, to just put their arms up on that flotation device and catch their breath. It's not designed to help them learn how to swim, it's not designed to help them learn how they got there in the first place, it's just designed to help them catch their breath, and then slowly through the work of counseling is to help them come to the place of uh, learning how they got there and learning how to swim.
And that's where some of the story work that we actually do here at Restoration is important, is that far too often it's just learning how to swim. It's not actually engaging how you got there in the first place. And if we don't engage how you got there in the first place, then likelihood is that those patterns will repeat themselves in another scenario, situation, or time frame of life. Again, I would say there's, you know, those that have gone to counseling uh, to get a master's in counseling, there's a whole master's degree in this. So obviously, in the few minutes that we have here uh, on the podcast, we're not actually able to fully explore what this looks like. But I'm hoping that those of us that walk with others can have some kind of uh, attentiveness and acuity towards what is going on for the other person so that we can actually help direct them to uh, both to the Lord and to the proper help. Mm-hmm. Well, you can find out more about Restoration Counseling at restorationcounselingnoco.com. You can follow along with just our work at restorylabs.com. And we invite you again, if you're a new listener, thanks for joining us. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a star rating if you don't mind and a review. We love seeing those and it always helps podcasters. And we will be back same time, same place next week.